You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to take you round the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Catch up with our weekly regular guests focusing on the Lions and the Patriots. Plus, we'll provide your fantasy fix. Oh, Brian, we got a good one for you today. We're going to kick off the podcast today by letting our producer be the judge in a segment we call Average Abe. One co-host was the most versatile quarterback of his generation. The other co-host is an Emmy award-winning media elite. How hard can it be? I'm a Stanford grad. I'm a genius. But who speaks for the fans on NFL No Huddle? Let's turn to a man whose football knowledge is better than most, but not as exceptional as he believes. Average Abe. Cornell, by now you know how it works when our producer, it says here on my script, super producer Abe Gordon, cannot find us a guest for the final hour of the program. He says, I've got the idea. Let's do Average Abe. It's the holiday season. I'll play along. Hello, Abe. What's up, guys? How y'all doing today? Hey, Fabulous. How are you? You're back, you're I'm back doing again, pretty Abe. good. I got the dog here at work. She's uh, in the other room, so we don't hear her right now. But uh, it's always a good day when you bring the puppers to work. Yeah, the puppers, huh? Yeah, very professional. What's on your script? <laughs> All right, we got a couple questions here, some involving quarterbacks, some not involving quarterbacks. But we are going to start with a quarterback question, so we'll start with you on this one, Cordell. First question has Eli Manning started his last ever game for the New York Giants? I think that answer would be yes, and this is the reason why. Anytime, well, one, this team has, this is not, the reason this team is imploding is not because of Eli Manning. Let's start there. Secondly, when anytime you start a backup quarterback to even maybe the third string quarterback, you're trying to figure out what your future looks like, in my opinion. And I think now that you know this, and, and, and he was given the opportunity to actually start this game and, and to somewhat be a part of the streak of consecutive games starting in the National Football and you chose not to. And, and, and I think the front office and everyone else said, you know what, we're going to move forward with this and give these other guys a try because we need to look at our roster as we move forward. In my opinion, his future will not be with the Giants. I think it will be somewhere where he's beloved by someone that was with him for an extended period of time and also won two Super Bowls with him. And I would say that's Tom Coughlin. He is a guy, I think, that will do the best he can to grab him. But when it comes down to it and you make this move with your marquee player and it's not his fault, I think this is a signal and a sign that's indicating that they're going to move forward without Eli Manning. And I think Eli Manning is going to move forward without the Giants next season. I'm with you, Cordell, but I'm around average Abe more than you are. I understand how his twisted mind works. There was a got you in that question. You had to listen closely. Mm -hmm. Will Eli ever start another game? The answer is yes. He's going to start one game in the regular season finale because it's at the Meadowlands, New Year's Eve against Washington because the Mara family and the Tisch family did not anticipate, in my mind, the PR nightmare that was ignited yesterday when they let Ben McAdoo bench the greatest quarterback in the history of the New York football giants. And you know, I've been highly critical of Eli Manning. I'm the guy who points out how many years has he led the league in multi-interception games. I'm the guy who's told you. While I believe certainly he's getting into the Hall of Fame based on two amazing playoff runs, culminating with incredible victories over Tom Brady 
and the New England Patriots. Reminder, other than those two sensational years in which the Giants got hot and won all the playoff games, Eli Manning has not won a single playoff game in his career. So I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but he's getting in. At the same time, he's an iconic figure in the New York Tri-State area, and the team now clearly is having a moment of clarity. This has been a huge blunder. I don't have to do my Mike Francesa from WFAM rant. All of this stuff is out there. The Giants have butchered this decision. So, yes, foreshadowing what is clearly coming up based on what happened yesterday. Eli is going to be playing for another football team next year. And I'm not buying the Jags that much, but we'll save that for another day. But to answer the question, because I think like Abe does, Cordell, it's like being an FBI profiler. I have to put my mind in the same space as a super criminal. That's what Abe was looking for. And the answer is, yes, Eli gets one more start as a farewell to the fan base on New Year's Eve. Abe, what's the verdict? Well, maybe you can do better on the next question there, Webb, because he is not going to start again. Uh, I agree with Cordell. They want to get at least a quarter season look at Davis Webb to know what they have. They're going to give him the next four games after Geno starts this week. Cordell gets the uh, point on that one. Moving on, question number two, Cordell. Yes. The NFC South, which is the more correct statement? The NFC South will or will not get three teams into the playoffs? That's a heck of a question because as we look at the standings right now, uh, when you look at it, right now in the number three spot, you have the New Orleans Saints. The number five spot, you have the Panthers. And the number six spot, you have the Falcons. So as of today... I would say yes, but I think when it's all said and done in the end, when you look throughout the NFC, you'll have a wild card team, I think, coming out of the East. You'll have a wild card. I have card. to jump in there. You Who's the wild, wild card, card coming out of the East? Card. You have a wild card. Can I answer my question? No, 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 no. There are no rules. This is average. Yeah, 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 yeah. These are my rules Who's because I'm coming answering out of my the question East? the way answer I want to answer the question. The NFC North. Who's coming out of the East? You'll have a team coming out of there. You have a South with the team coming potentially out as a wild card. And also in the West, you have. So there's no way possible, no way possible that you will have three teams coming out of the NFC South. Because I think when you look inside of the East, inside of the East, you have right now the Dallas Cowboys as a second team. Have you watched the Cowboys play? When coming out of the North, you're going to have the Detroit Lions. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to create my argument here. Mm. I'm not asking. I'm not saying that they're going to make it to the playoffs. You just I'm said just the telling teams you coming that's out of the, the East. position they're going to be in. And then you go to the South because you lost the first and going to lose this one too, guaranteed. When you look at the South, then you're going to have Carolina that's going to be the second best team. When you go to the West, you're going to have the Seattle Seahawks who's going to be the second. So there's almost. I would say this. It's almost impossible to have three teams because of those four teams, of those four divisions, you for sure have one coming out of the North and another one coming out of the West. There's no way possible, as far as wild cards are concerned, there's no way possible I think three teams can get in because of that issue right there. You have a credible team in Detroit, and you have a credible team in the Seattle Seahawks that I think will sit in those two spots to end up being the team. But then you also have another team coming out of the East to potentially have a chance. And it won't be the Giants that Brian Weber picked to win that division. Right. I- I'm just stupefied here. I'm going to oh, take the L. you've been that way for a while. Keep going. I'm going to take the L, but I have to – set the record straight so this show has some credibility no team from the east is going to rise up and be a wild card because philadelphia by the way will clinch the division 
if Dallas loses to Washington tomorrow. So let's just make sure. Wild card and clinching is two different things, but keep going. And I finish my thought. Let's just make sure we have a scintilla of authenticity oh, on this geez. program because oh, I don't want to blow what we've worked so hard together I'm for listening. two years to achieve. But the answer to the question, no, it's not going to be at all NFC South affair because Seattle is the correct answer. Seattle will lock down a wild card. And you know what I'm telling you guys. I'm going to tell you again. Saints aren't going to the playoffs. You can choose whether it's going to be Atlanta or Carolina winning that division. The team that fails to win the NFC South will be a wild card. The other wild card will be the Seattle Seahawks. Abe, back to you. I answered the question. I thought, Abe, I thought you asked the question of will there be three teams out of the South that will make it. I said Seattle's the other one and Detroit maybe. And then there's a chance that someone out of the East. Where he rambled off to with the stupefied answer, I have no clue. But go ahead, Average James. Go ahead and tell us what it really is. Here's the thing, Cordell. Brian is in my head. He does know what I want to hear. And he said the Saints will not make the playoffs. You know what he didn't say? He didn't say the Falcons are going to miss out. Falcons, according to Brian Weber, are in the playoffs. Point goes to Weber. Thank you. But we're not doing local Falcons. radio in Atlanta. Yes, the Falcons. the Falcons, right? Yes, because oh, they're going to beat Tennessee okay. right in Minnesota. So that's on why Sunday. you got the edge. Go we got to keep Go it to moving. The next question. We're not destroying the, the show question, based on please. one special segment. What's next? <laughs> question number three back to quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo in his first career start uh, with the 49ers. Will he lead the Niners to a road win in Chicago against the Bears? Cordell, the answer is yes. Yes, he will. I think his his background credentials in the sense of who he played with, who coached him, I think he could catch this football team by surprise. No one's going to expect it to happen because I think Mitchell Trubisky, he's going to give up a ton of interceptions. This defense hasn't been good. The running game has been average. This team, I think, has been energized off of one touchdown and one minute of football by Jimmy Garoppolo. He comes out, I think he draw from his experience of being under Bill Belichick, being under the experience of a Tom Brady. I think also uh, uh, when it comes down to Coach uh, McDaniels, I think he also gets an opportunity to draw from that experience. I think what he does is because this is not a bad football team. They just hadn't been able to win together collectively, mainly because of the quarterback position. Uh, whether it's Beathard, whether it's Brian Hoyer, I think he brings a different type of flair from a confidence standpoint and energy, even though he's been there for a few weeks. I think he still gives his team a better chance to actually go out and play well from the quarterback position because Beathard holds the ball too long. Brian Brian Hoyer, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's pretty bad. He's, he's pretty darn bad. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo gives him hope. I think they end up getting a surprising win against the Chicago Bears because of that guy, number 10. Great number, by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo. Before I answer the question, here's the preface. You know the Niners don't want to win this game, fellas, right? It's clear they are maximizing their draft possibilities. I'm not saying they're tanking, but every loss helps when you're vying with not only Cleveland, now the New York football giants. That's the unspoken truth about, in addition, Eli Manning having his own issues, why Eli's been benched. Giants don't want to win anymore. They want to solidify a top three pick, and that's the goal in San Francisco as well. At the same time, this tells me much more about what's going on in Chicago than the aspirations of the 49ers. Have you watched the Bears in recent weeks? Have you listened to John Fox postgame? Seems to be pretty clear. Metaphorically, he is dead man walking. The Bears won three games last year. They're 3-8 and eight heading into this matchup. So begrudgingly, even though the Niners don't want to win this game, they're professional football players. When they get on the field, 
They will do their job, and I think Garoppolo will score a few touchdowns. I'll give them two passing touchdowns. Chicago just can't get out of their own way. Yes, the Niners win on the road at Soldier Field. Well, you both gave uh, the Niners a win for the wrong reasons. Uh, 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 I don't know, but uh, I think I'm going to give this one to Cordell. We're going to go with Cordell on this one. I do think that last minute played a big role heading into this week. I think if he, uh, I think there'd be questions whether or not Garoppolo would be starting if he didn't get that touchdown. Uh, I was pretty enthralled by it. Enthralled. Uh, hang on, hang on. Cordell and I gave you the same answer. How does Cordell get the victory? I'm confused here. Well, you because you ended up at the I same gave. point, but you got took different routes to get there. Yeah, that's how that works. We got the okay. same answer. Just Seen continue to make the show right. feel good, and you'll be the producer long after I'm gone. What's next? Michael Crabtree and Aqib Tlaib, uh, as we know, have a little history, and uh, that will continue next season, assuming they are both with their current teams. Question for you, Cordell. Will Michael Crabtree wear a chain necklace again the next time the Raiders face the Broncos? I think he, you know what? I think he will. And this is why I say he's not going to change who he is because the chain snatcher, in a key to leave is willing to go after because here's the problem if he does snatch his chain there will go from a potential two game suspension which we know that thing's been reduced but a two game suspension initially to now probably an egg game suspension so it's almost like dangling the cheese right I want you to snatch it I want you to come and pull it because what's going to end up happening is he's going to get suspended probably get fined and that suspension will be more than two games and right now you know what the best thing I think Michael Crabtree can do is maintain being himself and leave his chain on why would he take his chain off because he's afraid that the keep to leave would snatch it again. Because guess what? If he snatches it again, Michael Crabtree won't swing back. He won't fight back. He'll just let a keep to leave get suspended and will force this Denver Broncos team to be even a deeper hole than what they are right now. If I'm Michael Crabtree, I wear it. Matter of fact, I wear three chains. Matter of fact, I get Brian's at the at the Super Bowl when we go. I get his, put his on, and also I wear my own. Maybe one for my cousin that just want me to show off his medallion. So yeah, I think Michael Crabtree wears his chain. Why wouldn't he wear his chain? He's been wearing his chain before you had these altercations with Aqib Tlaib. I know Brian's going to say they're not going to wear it because he's a wholesome guy. He went to Stanford and he said, you know what? These guys are going to go out and screw themselves up. But you know what? These guys are thug dizzles at the end of the day. These guys get it on when it comes down to getting in the mix. I tell you that much. So guess what? For me, Michael Crabtree wears his gold chain. If Brian wears say something else, he's meaning he's probably going to say these guys are going to walk out on the field with Bibles. I don't think that's going to happen either. <laughs> go ahead, Brian. Now, for the record, even though you've created this caricature, Brian Weber, I don't own a chain. I've never worn a chain. I know you, you want me to wear I've a chain. That. You I've need seen me that to when wear your a shirt chain. was open down to the button to I've the middle never of your wore stomach. A chain. In fact, you like this. I'm so anti-male jewelry I won't wear. I should with all the Stanford references. Shouldn't oh, I have geez. a giant Stanford ring so I could just bring it up oh, even more? I, I won't wear a college oh, ring. Geez, In fact, a relationship ended prematurely when I told the significant other, I'm never going to wear a marriage ring. And she said, what? You don't want the world to know your marriage? She said, I don't want to wear jewelry. And then a couple weeks later, I got so a text. So we know where this answer's going. I don't Go think ahead. this is working out. So, yes, this is all the <laughs> we setup. We know where this is going. Michael Crabtree will be told by Jack Del Rio on behalf of the league, Mike, I need you to take the chain off today. Because Cornell, on Sunday, Adam Schefter of ESPN reported Crabtree had it taped down and Mr. Tlaib. Yeah, I said it, Mr. Tlaib. I respect him too much to call him by his first name. Mr. Tlaib still got it because he is a bad individual who does what he wants to. And by bad meaning bad, bad meaning good. 
So yeah, yeah, I, like I, I understand how you're laying it out, but the optics were so poor on Sunday, the league cannot have another thermonuclear scenario. Del Rio goes to Crabtree and says, Michael, you need to take one for the team. Take off the chain no. when these teams play again next year, Abe. Can't be. You're not letting the guys be themselves, Abe. Go ahead. Before we get to the winner, I have one hyphenated word for you guys. Taser chain. You get a taser involved in that thing, and as soon as Tlaib grabs it, he gets electrocuted, and he's uh, out. Can you see why I don't put him on the Any air? thoughts? <laughs> Seriously. He has so much free time to come up with this stuff. Oh, come on. I can come up with genius ideas like taser chains oh, all the time. All right, I'm going to give this one to Webb. I think he's right. I do not think he's going to wear a chain. Uh, I I think someone within the organization will get it into Crabtree's head that uh, we need you on the field for for the game. I mean, that that was an important game for them. They needed to win that, uh, and uh, you you didn't know later in the game Amari Cooper would get hurt, but uh, it certainly hurt uh, having... uh, having him out, so uh, having Crabtree gone. So I think that the team and the organization will get it in his head that he needs to be on the field. We need you to play ball, uh, and he will not wear a chain. He will not be a distraction. He will make plays on the field. So Ryan Weber gets the win. We are tied 2-2 two to two with just a, a couple more left here. Cordell, we already talked about it a little bit. We're going to go back to it, the New York Giants. Geno Smith starting at quarterback this week. Question for you. Will he have more rushing yards or passing yards in the game? Oh, after watching him throw the football the way he does, uh, it almost makes me want to say he's going to have more rushing yards. Um, hmm, that's a really good one. I got to be honest with you because the brother can't throw the football. Well, he can't. He runs very cl- – he's clumsy when he runs, by the way. I'm saying this loud. I want everyone to hear me say this. But here's the thing. He's going against the Oakland Raiders. He's on the road against the Oakland Raiders. Um, I think he ends up throwing for more yards yards than he's going to rush. He's not a good runner. He's not a good passer. Uh, but I think the attempts that he's going to put into this to try to make it work is going to allow him uh, to be able to have more passing yards than running yards. Uh, for him to have more rushing yards, he'll be, uh, let's just say, the Russell Wilson 2.0. Uh, his capabilities of scrambling and moving around in the pocket won't be good enough. Um, I think in order for him to give himself a chance to get on someone's football team as he moves forward, because I don't think it'll be with the Giants next year. You hear the sentiments from everyone in that actually community when it comes down to him starting this week. I think he needs to put up some good tape. I think he needs to do the best he can to show other teams that he is capable of throwing the football. Because remember, coming out of West Virginia, he put up phenomenal numbers. I know it's been tough for him with the Jets. Uh, but I think he gets an opportunity to play. And if there's any yards that he will get, it will be in the air with a few interceptions but I don't think it would be a good game or a game that we could talk about that talks about his capabilities of moving with his feet because when it comes to running, I think Abe, yours, uh, Mama Bear, and Brian Weber's feet individually are better than Geno Smith. So I think it would be in the air where he has the most amount of yards. Well, that's not fair. The dog has four. Hey, he's got four. good feet. The baby Griffin has balance. Two. Balance. Gets it done. He, goes, he, takes, he takes dad on the run every day on, on the beach. Hey, that's, that's keep happened. running. And keep running. Keep, keep me running. In and I, I'd run to maybe Alaska, <laughs> Hawaii. Just keep on running. All right, because this is such an inane question, I'm not going to no, answer it. Cordell gets the win. One. How about this, though? And Abe, you're allowed to chime in because you've been known to be interested in things that might come from the desert in Nevada. Mm. Fellas, we don't talk gambling, so this is merely for entertainment purposes. If I said Eli Manning was capable of being generous in the past. What do you think Geno Smith's going to do? 
Do you think he's going to throw more or less than two interceptions on the road in Oakland? Because I'll say there's an overwhelming possibility he's going to throw more than two picks. How do you see it, Cordell? I see spot on with two. I think he throws two exactly. I don't think he'll go no more than that. Because if that's the case, now all of a sudden Davis Webb gets his opportunity. And trust me, he doesn't want that to happen sooner than three games. So I, I think he, he may give two um, because of the pressure and everything. But um, that's about it. I won't go no higher than two. Abe, since you have friends offshore, am I in the right vicinity coming up with two as the potential number for Geno Smith? I will take the over. I might even tease it up to three. I mean, that's uh, he's not he's not getting out of this game with two or less interceptions. Thank you. I won't go two or less. Yeah, I'll, I'll say two, and wherever it goes from there, it's, it, it's it'll be it's more. Can't they, go less after over. two. It'll be one. Can't go less after two, bro. I, no, I, here's the thing: what you said, Cordell. If he throws two, that you think Davis. I don't think Davis Webb's going to get in this game, no matter how I agree. bad now he plays. On the road but it's not Oakland. about getting in the game. He's not going to play. It's about he shortens his opportunity to play in more games. No, 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 this, no. this is the only game that Geno's playing. This is one week and one week only. Davis Webb's going to play the last four games. No question about it. Okay. We agree from time to time. And by no, the way, I'm, thank I'm you for agree- listening when I said that we're not but talking question, gambling on the show. I thought the question was, is he going to rush for more? Rush more yards It was a stupid more. question. I'm trying to save the segment. We got oh, time so for Abe's one more. Abe, he's you stupid. I'll, Abe, you know what? I'll take all his goddamn wins away and give them to me. Okay. That's, that's what you're doing. He just called you stupid in your segment. And thank you for it's raising the It's not the, the worst thing he said to me today, so we're all right still, actually. Friendly language. We have time for one it's more. It's all about the friends. Gosh darn is what we say on the show. Go ahead, Abe. Last question, and we all know I'm a fan of, of the quick eats. And uh, we know Brian Weber has recently uh, told us of his fascination with the McRib. May it actually be two McRibs. Uh, so the question, uh, and we'll start with you, Cordell, uh, this holiday season, uh, what's your go-to fast food item over the next month? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, my go, my fast food. Does Whole Foods count? No, somebody get a drive-through window. Drive-through window. I'm a, I'm I'm more of a uh, Burger King kind of guy. I like I like Burger King. You know, you go to Burger King, you you go with no onions. You know, which means now they have to do it fresh. Drop a little cheese on that thing with some lettuce and tomatoes, you know, stuff like that. A few extra pickles. You know, French fries are pretty darn good. They don't have strawberry Fanta. So I'll go with a sweet tea. You know what I mean? So if I had to go to a fat food restaurant, I mean, I know Chick-fil-A is great. Some people say it's the healthiest fat food restaurant. All saturated. Still same effect. Uh, some love McDonald's. Some love sesame seeds. Some love on the Big Macs, the extra sauce. Uh, some like... Uh, let's just say a little Kentucky fried chicken and, you know, some other stuff. I, I don't know. But, you know, you know what? I'll take that back. I'm going to Popeye's. Oh. Three-piece. Love dark, that chicken. Spicy. Mm. Extra red bean, you know, a large, extra large red bean with two biscuits on the side. And then I grab the strawberry Fanta. <laughs> you can taste that, can't you, by the way? If you were here, Abe, you know you can get you some Popeye's right about now? <laughs> we have them in L.A. There's one oh. in L.A. Well, yeah, it's a little different in L.A. You know, the further south you go, the better it tastes because it started, obviously, in New Orleans. Of course you know that. And so now I think as you, the further out you go, they're still good. But, oh, man, it's nothing like a good old three-piece, two legs and a thigh. Oh, man, large red bean, two extra biscuits. All the cholesterol, baby. It makes it great. And then a good old large strawberry fountain. You just sit there and take a deep breath when you're done. Drop some hot sauce on that thing, too, by the way. Go ahead. I'm glad you changed your answer because I can picture you in front of me at Burger King and you're the guy taking a half hour going, no pickles, extra mayo. <laughs> if it takes a half hour to get that, I'll let them keep that red ring, ring up in their register because I'm gone. 
I'm leaning on the horn going, come on, man. I'm kind yeah. of a big deal. I got to get yeah. in, get out. I mean, unless there was a, a Case Keenum toy or something there, <laughs> I'll probably go to Burger King. Other than that, I'm going over to Popeye's. I'm going to Popeye's. All right, Abe is giving it away. Now, Cordell, here's my problem with the Mac rib, as I say. Not the McRib, the Mac rib. Mac rib. It only comes back during the holidays. So it's only here for a limited time. Right. So I feel the need to hoard them because you don't know when you're going to drive by McDonald's January 2nd or 3rd, and they'll take the sign down, and then I'm a little bit crestfallen. I missed out. I could have had one more McRib. So that's my issue. I'm enjoying them while they're here, but I'm also eating for tomorrow because I know in early January when I want a McRib, it's not going to be there for me. And that's going to lead to a case of a early depression in 2018. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I got a lot of problems. So Diet Coke, if you drink a Diet Coke, what, what meal would you Well, that balances out. You can have seven Mac ribs as long as you have the Diet Coke because there's only one calorie. McDonald's, man. The only thing I like about McDonald's is the hot fudge sundae. Sometimes you do hot, hot fudge and caramel mix. You do the caramel at the bottom and hot fudge at the top, the ice cream. Oh, man, that makes me want to slap a dog when I see him when I pass by. Just keep Mama Bear away from not me. Not Abe's dog, of course. All right, well, this is a perfect setup because dinner time is coming up on the East Coast. Abe, I'm not going to yeah. let you chime in because a couple things. Obviously, you never eat fast food. Secondly, you could kill five minutes on your Mount Rushmore fast food. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Gold, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern only on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time to take you around the league with NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport. Now it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the rap sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, always a pleasure. If Eli Manning is moving on from the Giants, what could the market look like for his services beyond the reunion with Tom Coughlin in Jacksonville? Well, I mean, I think the only situation we've seen recently that is similar at all uh, is for Peyton Manning. And obviously Eli Manning wasn't quite as good as Peyton Manning football-wise, so I'm not sure Mm -hmm. the contract would be, uh, you know, would be similar. But, you know, we've seen a team with a ready-made defense, uh, just need a quarterback, a veteran quarterback who can come in and, and, you know, for a couple years, like two or three, just kind of light a fire under the organization. And, um, you know, there's a couple of those teams that would apply to, maybe even the Broncos would be one. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars would be another. Um, you know, those teams where really all they need is just a veteran quarterback to step in. And I think that's if Manning did decide to move on, if the Giants decided to move on and cut him, you know, that would be something kind of worth worth considering. When understanding that, um, there also probably is another place. Uh, how about the Arizona Cardinals? And um, Bruce Arians and, and how he's considered to some as the quarterback whisperer. How would that actually work out considering Carson Palmer probably won't be back next year? Yeah, that would make some sense. And, you know, the Cardinals did revive, um, you know, Carson Palmer's career a little bit. Um I'm not sure it's a great fit. You know, Eli uh, is not sure his arm quite is what it is. 
Uh, they throw downfield a lot. Their quarterbacks take a lot of punishment. Um, you know, and plus, I think there is a possibility that you know Blaine Gabbert is the guy for them. Um, that would be something to consider as well. Um, so I don't know if that would be a great place, but really any place with a good team that needs a quarterback would be considered. And Bruce Arians reiterating what you said. Blaine Gabbert could have a future in Arizona. Taking you around the league with Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Ian, there are reports that Rams head coach Sean McVay has been helping Jared Goff with his audibles on the radio communication in his helmet before it shuts off. Just how common is that in the NFL? It's more common in college football. And obviously you don't have the communication system, but what you do have in college is a quarterback coming to the line and then looking over to the sidelines and the coach holding up the cards or basically telling them what to change into. It's really clever from the Rams, you know, to, to figure that out and kind of do that and, and show, you know, how the, the kind of help that a head coach can give his quarterback. And any team can do it. You know, any team can go up to the line and tell their quarterback, just hang in there, go up early and wait, and I'll tell you what audible to, to go to. And it's really smart. Uh, I think, you know, you'd like to get to a point where Goff does not have to do that anymore. He can just go up and make the decision himself uh, before, you know, before the communication cuts off. But um, it's probably going to get more common now as teams realize you can do that. Ian, uh, Aqib Tlaib and also Michael Crabtree have a history of of going back and forth with one another. Last year it came down to snatching a chain when they were in Denver, and now all of a sudden it happens again, and, and the suspension was reduced from one from two games to one game. Do you think that's enough, or, or should have been more? And how do you think the team's going to handle the league is going to handle these two when it comes down to matching up as we move forward into the future? Well, I mean, I would think you know next time they match up, it would be sort of a zero tolerance type deal. But you know, we all had a warning of this last year. I mean, it was a chain snatching incident last year as well. Um, you know, so I, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what more there needed to be said between you know besides these guys have a history, they need to come ready to play football and. You know, they did, um, you know, obviously they, they did go at it. Uh, and I think the reason they received multiple games eventually was, was knocked down to one game was because basically they had a fight um, and then it sort of quieted down. Then it escalated again. It was almost like a second incident inside that one incident. And that's, you know, really why the league decided to come down hard on them because in other situations this year, you know, when a guy is, uh, ejected, that's basically their suspension. That's basically their punishment. But these guys, it went beyond that. Finally, what can you tell us about Darren McFadden? Three weeks ago, we were running through candidates to fill in for Ezekiel Elliott. He was a name that we were focusing on. Yesterday, we find out he's retired. He's walking away from football. Uh, I think what happened with the Cowboys is, you know, you, you get ready and you think you could play and you're kind of gearing up for it. And then basically it's been almost two years where McFadden's been on the team and not really been used. And they clearly, you know, went to another option this year. You know, it was Rod Smith and it was Alfred Morris. Um, now it'll probably be Trey Williams. You know, though it's clear he wasn't in their plans and he's made a lot of money. He's been successful. He's had some good years, some good memories. And for him, it was just time. Uh, you can get beat up. Uh, certainly he did. Uh, but it was time. Now he says he's ready to be the next head coach at his alma mater of Arkansas. Ian, as always, we appreciate the insights. Have a great week. We'll chat with you Sunday on First and Goal on TuneIn Premium.
Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Catch all new episodes of some of your favorite podcasts early with TuneIn First Play. With more than 30 First Play podcasts on TuneIn, you can listen to new episodes from some of your favorite shows before they're available anywhere else. Hey there, it's Mike Rowe. This is The Way I Heard It, the only podcast for the curious mind. With a short attention span, we're at episode number 83, incredibly. I'm Jack Hitt. And I'm Chinjirai Kumanyika. This is Uncivil. Where we ransack America's history. And discover that the past is never really past. From the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. And beaming out across all of space and time. This is Star Talk. Where science and pop culture collide. Search First Play Podcasts and listen early, listen often, and listen today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's welcome in Tori Petrie of DetroitLions.com. Tori, thanks for joining us again this week. Let's go back to the fallout from what happened on Thanksgiving. What's the status of Matthew Stafford's ankle injury? He was clearly gimpy in the second half of that game on Thursday. Yeah, well, you guys know the Lions. They don't give much details on injuries. But uh, Matthew Stafford did practice today uh, and, you know, looked, looked pretty good. Didn't seem like he was hobbling around today at all. They asked him about it in the press conference. He said he feels fine. So not much detail there, but at least a good sign that he was practicing. Tori, give me a take on Dwight Freeney. He had the opportunity to be with Jim Carwell, I think, when he was out in, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, when he was with the Indianapolis coach. I uh, just have a connection right. because of the organization. But tell me about Dwight Freeney and his addition to that team. Yeah, so he came in last week. The Lions claimed him off of waivers after Seattle cut him. Uh, he had just played that Monday night game uh, with Seattle, and then the Lions played Thursday on Thanksgiving. So that was a pretty quick turnaround to expect him to be able to play on that Thursday night game. Uh, and, you know, at 37, the body just recovers differently um, at that age, and it's incredible what he's still doing at that age. And, uh, you know, so he said realistically, you know, probably wasn't a realistic turnaround for him. He spoke uh, to the media in the locker room on Monday Really excited to be here, reunite with his head coach, or with his, not head coach, but with, with the coach that he's been with before, who is now the head coach of the Lions. And, uh, you know, he, he really uh, he really felt like this was a place where he could fit in because of his familiarity with Jim Caldwell. And uh, he felt like this was a place where they were making a playoff push. He said that, honestly, you know, you don't have much control when you're on waivers, but he told his agent that, you know, there were some teams that he'd retire before he'd go play for those teams, and the Lions happened to be a team that he was really excited about going to, and uh, their pass rush needs it. So even if it's in a limited capacity, even though he's not, even if he's not playing every single snap uh, for them, I think that he can still uh, really help them out. Chatting with Tori Petrie, DetroitLions.com, the Lions team channel here on TuneIn. Tori, stats can be misleading, but I know you've heard this one many times. How important do you think it is? The Lions still have not had a 100-yard rusher (laughs) since Reggie Bush on Thanksgiving Day in 2013. Yeah, how did I know that's where you were going with that? (laughs) That that stat has been brought up a lot lately. Uh, You know, it it hasn't uh, been something that the Lions have had in a very long time, four years ago, and and uh, it really, uh, it really was, 
you know, it's been a topic of conversation what Matthew Stafford's been able to do without that. And, you know, it's, it's nice to have, and you do need a run game in order to set up your passing game. But I don't necessarily think it needs to be one guy having those 100 rushing yards every single game. Now, would it be nice for them to have that? I think it would certainly help them out. But I think their strategy is more so spreading the yards around. But even with that, they haven't been as successful with that lately. So they've got to get that run game going in order to open up what they're able to do in the passing game. Because let's be honest, that's their strength. It is not the run game. They are a pass-first team. Matthew Stafford's your best player on offense. And that's the guy you want to get the ball in the hands of. And uh, that's what they're working on figuring out is just getting a respectable run game in order to uh, let Matthew Stafford do what he does. Well, speaking of not having a running game, uh, I think Matthew Stafford is walking around with a bruised ankle of some sort because he was gimpy in that last game against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, Tell me his condition, because if he doesn't have a running game, he has to drop back their entire game. How long do you think that will last as far as him not having a limp? Well, like I said, he was at practice today, so I think that you know he, he's looking good. He's a tough guy. He's played through plenty of injuries. Uh, Lions don't give much detail on injuries, but I think uh, it's looking pretty good for him right now as he looked fine at practice today. Sorry, we're all going through playoff scenarios, so give us your Lion perspective. How optimistic should Lion fans be about a run to the postseason? And let's say it's going to be a wild card. I know the math (laughs) implies Detroit still has a chance. But if we're trying to forecast the wild card race in the NFC, where do you slot your Lions? Well, I think they they need to be cautiously optimistic uh, because, you know, this team has five games left in the season and in the crowded NFC right now, 10 wins may not get you into the playoffs. That might not get you a wild card. It really just depends on what the other teams who are fighting for those wild card positions uh, do. And the Lions might need to win all five of these last games. Now, you know, when you look at each of them as individual opponents, I think you could call the Lions the, the you know, a win for them in those games realistic uh, because of the teams that they're playing. The Ravens are the only team above 500, I believe. And, you know, so you can look at them individually, but then when you look at the big picture of five wins in a row, that, that is a lot to ask. So we'll see what ends up happening in these last five games of the season. Four and one might do it for them, but, you know, then you start getting into territory of leaving your destiny to somebody else and, and what other teams do. So cautiously optimistic is, is the word that I would use, and uh, we'll see what they look like up against up against the Ravens this week, and uh, I think that that will probably tell us a bit more about what to expect in this December stretch of games. When looking at this roster and seeing some of the players on it, uh, one of the dynamic players in in Golden Tate, I saw him respond uh, to Eli's situation with the Giants. Give me your take on how the players are perceiving that type of action because sometimes the marquee players on teams – end up getting either cut early or, or having to sit the bench this soon. Do you see any guy walking around wondering what the heck is going on or looking over their shoulder being concerned? You know, I don't think so. I think the, the concern right now is that the Lions know they've got a tough task ahead of them in trying to win these last five games, uh, win out so that they do get a spot in the playoffs. And uh, guys were asked about it today, but most of them were pretty unconcerned. They felt for Eli, said he's a good guy, has ownership of that team. Um, and, and really are, you know, can commiserate with what he's feeling and, you know, empathize for him, but they're more focused on the task at hand for themselves. 
Corey, great information as always. Enjoy the game against the Ravens. It's highly significant. We'll chat with you next week on the NFL on TuneIn. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Long count. Matthews got it. Wants to throw. Looks right. Comes middle. Throws. It is five. Take five. Take two. Take one. Take end zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Hi, Lions fans. It's me, Tori Petrie. Hey, it's me, Lomas Brown here. We're the hosts of the Tori and Lomas podcast right here on TuneIn. found the angle to the house, and the Lions are right back in it. Tune in on Wednesdays as we break down the Lions' last game and preview the game coming up. We'll see you there. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next up on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's spotlight the reigning champs from New England with Andy Hart of Patriots.com Radio. Andy, let's go back to Sunday. Even though the Patriots pounded the Dolphins, Tom Brady took a lot of hits again in that game. How concerned are you? How concerned should the team be about this trend? It's not good. Um, you know, they had cleaned it up for a few weeks. It seemed like they were trending in the right direction in terms of the protection. And then you're right, last week he got banged around quite a bit. Um, remember last week he didn't practice on Wednesday after they had already had Monday, Tuesday off. He didn't practice today. Um, I saw him in the locker room. He had his left elbow wrapped. Uh, you probably saw on TV he had a pretty good road rash or scrape there. It looked like he got his helmet, I mean, a helmet to the right hand at one point. The Achilles is still bothering him. He had the shoulder injury earlier this year. Um, You know, he's 40 years old. We know that, and we know he takes care of himself. But, you know, at some point, these cumulative hits can have an effect on a guy. And it hasn't happened yet. He's still been cruising right along. But um, the health of the offensive line, which is leading to the health questions about Brady, you know, are a concern. You're down to your third tackle on the right side there because Marcus Cannon's been out for a month plus, and now backup Ladrian Waddle's out. You know, it was good to get David Andrews back on the practice field today, but that's still a question whether he'll return to game action. So, you know, this line, you know, the Bills don't have a great pass rush, but uh, the Dolphins didn't really coming in either. You know, Cameron is a good player, Sue's a good player, but they hadn't shown the ability to really bang quarterbacks around. They certainly did on Sunday. You mentioned David Andrews, and he was out because of an illness for two games. How big of an addition would he be back on this offensive line as far as making the calls? Because He's somewhat the quarterback on the offensive line with finding the mic to where the safeties are so as they help Tom Brady out. How much would that help them if he comes back and be able to be healthy in this game? It'd be huge. Um, the coaching staff, Brady, you know, his fellow linemen, they love and trust him. You know, he, you know, a former undrafted guy, if you remember, they had Brian Stork. They won a Super Bowl with Brian Stork, who was a draft pick. And then Andrews just beat him out and, you know, took over the position the last couple of years. And there is a lot of trust there. Now, Karras was good against the Raiders, and then obviously had the huge mistake last week with the shotgun snap that turns into a touchdown for the Dolphins. He took full credit for it. Um, but he's a backup. He's, he's not as good as Andrews, and there isn't that comfort level. Um, they're going to be on the road in Buffalo where, you know, that crowd, if you give them a reason to be in the game, you know, can be a decent home crowd. Um, so noise and, and silent counts and things that, you know, for a guy who just snapped one past the quarterback, that would be a question. But You know, Andrews is a guy that is in the middle of it all. As you said, pass protection, you know, making sure everybody's on the right page. Um, So that would be a a good step forward, especially when you're still dealing with issues on the right side. At least get one guy back. Chatting with Andy Hart, Patriots.com Radio, Patriots team channel here on TuneIn. Andy, understandably, we've been talking a lot about Eli Manning the last couple days and how the Giants handled the benching, even though I think the move is clearly justifiable. Tom Brady's not going to play forever. How do you think Robert Kraft 
would get involved if Bill Belichick wanted to do something similar to Brady that happened to Manning yesterday? Yeah, I don't think it would happen. Um, They're not going to do it this way. Certainly in a situation that I've yet to have anybody really explain to me what they're doing. Um, You know, turning it over to a uh, a career backup like Geno Smith has already proven himself not a a future for any team. Um, You know, that'd be like doing it right now in New England with Brian Hoyer. You know, just saying if if Brady were struggling and they were losing, okay, we're going to turn it over to Brian Hoyer. Well, why? You know, you traded away Jimmy Garoppolo. If they were given this opportunity to Davis Webb, uh, you know, sort of like the Nathan Peterman thing in Buffalo that didn't work out. But if you were trying to find out what you had in a young guy, it might make sense. Uh, I, I can't ever see this happening and certainly not handled in a way where ownership, GM, coach are just not on the same page and you, you're left with an ugly situation in which almost universally you're being criticized, whether it's current players like Philip Rivers, you know, ex-players, ex-Giants. Um, you know, this is, a, this is an ugly situation, and I do. I, I don't think they would ever let Tom Brady look bad, um, and certainly Tom Brady is a far more accomplished player with a greater track record other than just a couple Super Bowls like Eli. Um, but they would never do it, do it like this. And, and I just don't think it really should be done like this for anyone, especially when there's, there's no good reason to do it. This is, this is an ugly situation that sounds like it could cost jobs. You have to assume it probably end up, end up happening uh, when it comes to the head coach and also Eli. But Tom Brady's 26-3 and against the Buffalo Bills. I know in the first half of many of those games, Buffalo seems as if they were capable of getting a win. But, of course, the New England Patriots prevailed. How, how, how afraid are the New England Patriots against this team, regardless of what the record says? Because you know how Bill Belichick is. It's not about what you've done over time. It's what you do right now. Are they prepared to get this win? Oh, they're always prepared. Um, but these division games bog down. Sometimes you're right. The, the Patriots, victory-wise, have absolutely dominated the Bills. But there's been games in there where you're right in the first half or even the second half. I, you know, I remember a win in Buffalo where Buffalo's kicking an onside kick for a, a chance to, to win that game late, and they don't recover the Patriots' win. Well, yeah, that continues a win streak, but you know, the game was on the line with seconds to play. Um, last few trips to Buffalo, Brady's been phenomenal. I think it's 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, passer rating of over 110, you know, obviously all victories. And, you know, Bill Belichick doesn't really allow a team to have a trap game. It pops up every once in a while because they're not robots. His players, he can't control the way they think. But, you know, you just listen to him this week talk about Tyrod Taylor. And this is Tyrod Taylor who was benched, what was it, two weeks ago now by his team. You would have thought they were playing the best dual-threat quarterback in the history of the (laughs) game and how he's grown as a player and – you know, it makes it so hard to defend because he can run and the this and the that. And, and you're listening to it and you're like, is this the guy whose head coach benched him a couple of weeks ago? And he really does brainwash his players. And he brains, brainwashes us as a media, I think, sometimes. Like I said, when you're listening to those conference calls, you really start to wonder, am I missing something? Is Taylor better than I think? Or, you know, last week with the Dolphins, Bill said that the Dolphins have the best skill players, maybe the best skill position players in the NFL two good quarterbacks, and you're like, they don't have one good quarterback. Never mind two. They traded away their lead back. But he just does it so consistently that he gets his team to buy into it, and he hypes them up like Lou Holtz used to. So could the Bills pull one out if they play great and get a couple turnovers and run the ball? Sure, take advantage of Patriots' injuries. But I don't think it'll be because the Patriots are underprepared. If anything, they're overpreparing for a team that, that Bill is selling them up as more than they really are. Let's continue that Stockholm Syndrome conversation because what's going on with the Patriots team policy about 
No conversation connected to celebrations. I'm not surprised, but Gronk had that great moment at the press conference on Sunday. And, Andy, we had James White on our show on Monday. He confirmed that this team cannot talk about celebrations. Right. And that's, that's the Belichick way. It's, it's not just, I can tell you today, multiple players in the locker room said they couldn't talk about Eli. Um, even backup quarterback Brian Hoyer. Nope, can't talk about Eli. If you want to talk about the Bills, I'd be happy to talk. No Eli talk. Um, Bill puts those edicts out. And he controls everything. Stefan Gilmore is not allowed to talk to the media until Friday. Why? Well, because just in case he says something that's somewhat interesting, if he says it on Friday, you sort of limit the damage. It can't go on all week because then they can't go get a reaction from the Bills locker room about his former team, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, Bill laughed about it on Monday. He does a, a local radio station every week. And he sort of laughed about it and said, you know, nobody's more excited when they score than him. But he controls messages, and he knew that, these celebrations, these choreographed celebrations were picking up steam. And, you know, last week he chastised us in the media with a dismissive, we don't worry about that stuff. We don't plan the halftime celebrations, which isn't even really answering a question about <laughs> touchdown celebrations. But, you know, that's, that's how Belichick is. And he, he proves yet again, as long as you win, the players will listen and he has them brainwashed. But the one guy he can't brainwash is the, uh, the big frat boy tight end. And, he certainly can't punish him because he wants the guy that scores, you know, basically a touchdown a game to continue to be having fun and, and celebrating by scoring a touchdown a game. So I'll tell you, Patriots Football Weekly, we had uh, Brandon Cooks riding Gronk like a horse on the cover. That sells papers. Fans yeah. Love it. Everybody but Bill loves it, I guess. Move product, Andy. Well, as we say goodbye, you're a Patriot right. insider. What was that celebration? What was going on with Gronk and Brandon Cooks? Well, that was, you know, the little guy riding the big horse, follows him into the end zone and then symbolically jumps on him. That was tremendous. And perfect Patriots Football Weekly covered. Down the stretch they come. You know, horse racing lingo for a team that's picking up steam heading towards the postseason. Stuff writes itself. You know what I'm saying? Media gold. Just like chatting with Andy Hart. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Have a great week. We'll chat with you next week on the NFL on TuneIn. All right, thanks, guys. Talk to you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. This is Jay Connor. And this is Alex Hardy. And we're the co-hosts of The Extraordinary Negroes. Each week we talk about relevant issues within our community. Stuff like entrepreneurship, parenthood, mental health. And the latest shenanigans. With some of your favorite media personalities. But we make it a point to infuse humor. And colorful language. In order to make these often heavy subjects as relatable as possible. Because who says you can't be informative and entertaining? So check us out every week here on TuneIn. For your weekly dose of humor, insight, and colorful language. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's provide your fantasy fix with Nick Menzio from rotoworld.com. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and it's picked up. Accepted. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy, fantasy fix. Today we're joined by one of the best in the business, Nick Metzio. Rotoworld.com. Nick, dare I say, at this stage of the season, Case Keenum is actually must start now every week. And what's the projection for Sunday's matchup on the road in Atlanta? Man, I, I I mean I would I would roll with you. Yeah, I, I like him. I like him this week in Atlanta. He's had three top six fantasy performances over the last four or five weeks, something like that. 
Uh, he's playing great ball right now, the best of his career. And this game's going to be played in a dome in Atlanta with a high high enough total for this week. There aren't any super high totals this week, but that one in Atlanta with the Vikings and Falcons has a 47.1, I believe, which is, which is pretty good for this week. So I'm, I'm rolling with Keenum this week. i got to go with him. I don't think he's going to get benched mid-game or anything like that. That was kind of the worry a few weeks ago, but he's he's rolling right now. Oh, he's on fire right now, Nick. Don't worry about it. He's not coming out no time soon. And I like to call him Case Keenum, just so you know. So when you hear that on, <laughs> on air, don't take it personal. Just know that's my affection I have for the guy and how well he's playing. But my question to you is, is how do you view Sammy Watkins and Cooper Cup as Robert Woods is set to, uh, set to miss another week? Man, Watkins, Cup both had awesome games last week against the Saints, but I think Watkins is going to run to a little bit of a buzzsaw this week against Patrick Peterson, who's been just shutting down number one receivers on the outside. So that could spell awesomeness for Cooper Cup on the inside. I love him as a PPR guy this week. Maybe flirt with a touchdown. Uh, he had career highs in catches, yards, and targets last week against New Orleans. I like him to put it uh, put it all together again this week in Arizona. Does Adam Thielen's finally getting national recognition? Which wide receiver is more underrated, Robbie Anderson or Thielen, and how do you see their respective matchups this week? Oh, both awesome guys. Uh, I think Thielen, like you said, is getting his respect now, so I'll have to go with Anderson on this one. Uh, after he scored a touchdown last week, his first one, he scored two after his first one. I think he was uh, talking to the camera saying, vote me into the Pro Bowl, and the uh, announcers on the game actually kind of like ripped him for it, which was I don't know. I guess they don't watch too many Jets games, but this dude is just balling right now, scoring touchdowns every week. I love him. He's an every week wide receiver three right now. I just feel like this is a quarterback with nine lives, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, with him, do you think Deshaun Jackson is an actually better play than a Mike Evans? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Is, is Fitzpatrick going to start this week? I don't think so. I think uh, Winston got the nod from Coach Dirk Cutter today, earlier today, so I like I like Edmonds to bounce back huge against the Packers here. This that Green Bay secondary is just so bad. So I like Evans to have a bounce back game, and and and, uh, and uh, Winston being back under center definitely helps him. And it is official, as you said, Winston back from the shoulder issue. Fantasy analysis provided by Nick Mencio, RotoWorld.com. Nick, for whatever reason, Marcus Mariota has fallen apart. Four picks Thursday night football on the road in Pittsburgh. Two more issues against Indy on Sunday. What do you need to see from him before you're going to put him in your fantasy playoff lineup if you had to? Oh, man, just like one of the biggest disappointments of the fantasy season. I was expecting big things from Mariota this year, but uh, that old-school coaching staff in Tennessee has kind of got like a Jeff Fisher feel to it. Mike Malarkey, Terry Rubisky, old-school guys kind of don't want to don't want to unleash their quarterback, let him do whatever he, whatever he's good at. So I don't know, man. I just I think he needs a new coaching staff over there to truly unleash him. But he has such a great schedule coming up. Just like it's hard to not use him. Like the Texans defense that he gets this week is just so bad against the pass. They don't have a pass rush. So I mean, I I, I would go back to him where I have him. But there, there's definitely better options out there. But that that Titans team total of 25 is is looking pretty good at home this week. Has Devontae Adams passed Jordy Nelson as the top receiver? Hard to argue against it. Nelson's just doing nothing in the five games with Hundley. Uh, he's not – I mean, he's just kind of a deep threat with Aaron Rodgers, and and obviously Hundley's not throwing the ball deep as much. And Devontae Adams is a guy who wins with his with his hands and his routes, and he's making himself a lot of money. He's heading into a free agent free agent uh, offseason, so he's, he's putting his money where his mouth is right now. I love Adams as, as a play this week for sure, too. 
Fantasy Fix, Nick Mencio, RotoWorld.com. Nick, it's been challenging to process what I've been seeing in recent weeks. Blaine Gabbert looks viable. Again, as a starting quarterback in Arizona, what has Ricky Seals-Jones showed you the last couple games? Oh, my gosh. This guy just literally, like, not even a joke, just popped out of nowhere. He played one snap uh, the first uh, 11 weeks of the season, our first 10 weeks of the season, then weeks 11 and 12 just pops out of nowhere, scores three touchdowns. Uh, Blaine Gabbert's always been the guy that likes to hit in the middle of the field, so Larry Fitzgerald's the guy who's benefiting from that. Uh, he got locked down last week by Jalen Ramsey. I like him to bounce back this week against the Rams, but Ricky Seals-Jones last week in the middle of the field, he's a combo wide receiver tight end type guy. Uh, I, I, I guess we got to start taking this guy seriously. Jermaine Gresham's obviously not an option in fantasy, uh, so I like Seals-Jones as maybe someone to, in deeper leagues to target because their receivers on the outside just aren't making anything happen. Josh Gordon back this week. Is he a, is he worth the risk to start? It just depends what kind of situation you're in with your leagues. Uh, like we mentioned in the lead-up to the show, the fantasy playoffs are coming up. This is the last week of the fantasy regular season. So if you're fighting for a playoff spot, I, I can't trust him. But if you're locked into the playoffs or you have nothing to play for, I would definitely throw Gordon out there for just laughs and like see if he can – have a huge game that we hasn't played in three years. So, I mean, he's still got talent. A big dude can run super fast. Uh, I'll, I'm, I'm excited to see him play again. Finally, Nick, it's all about legitimate credentials on this show. Cordell played in the Pro Bowl, played in the Super Bowl. I'm loud. That's how I got this job. We want to vet how you're doing in fantasy football. Not daily. I'm talking season-long leagues. Are you in good shape? What's the overall mark? I got a couple teams hanging around, but a lot of my fantasy playoffs – start uh this week so i got eliminated in a couple last week i've got a couple teams that are nine and nine and three i think it is yeah nine and three and eight and four so i'm looking all right with those teams and my running backs are starting to come around a little bit but i i I got eliminated in a few last week which kind of sucked yeah definitely sucks well i appreciate the honesty nick let me give you a media tip next time live the audience doesn't know brian undefeated i've not lost a matchup all season long (laughs) no i keep it real man Keeping it real. In fact, you know what, Cordell? This is a new segment. Every week we talk to Nick. Forget about the fantasy fix. It's going to be called Keeping It Real with Nick Mencio. Keep it 100. I'll let you know. Thank you, Nick. Love it. Talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.